Welcome to episode 30 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Rin Jackson. This week we talked to Didi Medina. He worked at Teespring for a little bit, just left to do a new thing that he's not quite ready to talk about yet, but he's also known for being the vibe sheriff, a festival photographer, doing some really crazy work there, and it's it's really incredible. So it was awesome to get to talk to someone about photography for once, something I'm really into right now, something Brian's pretty obsessive about. So Pretending to be into right now. Pretending to be. <laughs> uh, other big news, we, we got nominated, guys, for Podcast of the Year at the Net Awards. Yeah. So Net thank Awards. you. Thank you, thank you so much to everyone that nominated us. Voting is open now, actually. So if you are enjoying the show and you want to support us, head to designdetails.fm. We have a banner along the top that you can go and vote for us at the Net Awards. And you can vote for, of course, all the other categories. But for Podcast of the Year, we would love your support. So if you're enjoying the show... It's totally your guys' fault that we even got nominated. And we're up against some really, really amazing shows. So any support you can give us, we'd really appreciate it because it's going to be a stiff competition. Also, if you're in town for WWDC, tweet at us. We're at Design Details FM. Bryn and I will be in town, ready to hang out, uh, talk design with anyone who wants to, maybe grab a beer. So just tweet at us. We're at Design Details FM on Twitter. And of course, thank you so much to our sponsors that make this show possible. This episode is brought to you by IconFinder.com. Surprise! This is not news anymore. (laughs) Icon Finder has been an awesome sponsor for us. As you know, they are the largest source of premium vector icons on the web. They have, wow, probably getting close to 600,000 now. Uh, Premium vector icons, they have any icon you could ever need for any web project you're working on or any design project actually. Uh, They come in any file format so they're going to work in Sketch, Illustrator, Photoshop, any style of icon as well. So if you need an outline icon for an iOS app or you want a solid icon for something else, uh, they have it all. And they have this really amazing service called Icon Finder Pro. It's a monthly subscription service that gives you access to more and more downloads every month and it's super cheap. But if you use the promo code ROBOT at checkout, you'll get 50% off your first month. That tells Icon Finder that we sent you and shows them that you're supporting the show. So check them out there, iconfinder.com, and use the promo code ROBOT for 50% off your first month. And with that, let's get into episode 30 with Didi Medina. What are you working on these days? Um, so recently I uh, left uh, Teespring, and uh, now I'm just uh, kind of working on some projects, kind of getting started with some clients, um, putting some time into uh, some of my hobbies, and primarily like working with my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he came out here about like two months ago, um, and uh, Teespring actually allowed him to like uh, intern for a bit. Okay, that was really cool. He helped younger brother then younger. Yeah, he was actually nineteen, yeah. um, and uh, he kind of got like a, a kind of a perspective of like seeing like what like people are passionate with, about what they do and kind of mm-hmm. like being there. He helped around the office, but he got to be around this really really cool environment, um, and he really got inspired. And he, I tried like while he was here to kind of help him like pick up a, a hobby of some sort so we tried different things but something that stuck with him was kind of like videography and photography okay hence how vibe sheriff actually came vibe to life sheriff. yeah we yeah, actually so, so tell us about vibe sheriff yeah it, it was uh it, it, i don't know it just kind of sprung out so we, me and my brother we went to like a music festival uh right before he left so it was kind of like uh um a congr- like um one one last way like celebrate before he left for like the, all, all the time that he was here and uh he brought my GoPro and I haven't used this GoPro in like two years. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I had it like for my motorcycle and I got it and I was like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. And then when I came around to like editing photos, like after the first time using it, I was like, screw this. Like, it's just, I don't have the time for this. Right. And it just sucked up dust for like two years. And he's like, I'm going to bring it and I'm going to go get a selfie stick. And I'm like, I can't take partake in this narcissistic 
<laughs> like kind of activities and um he's like no no it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun i'm like all right you kids do what you kids gotta do these days right and he, and he brings it along and um it was really really cool because like after the first day we went back to the hotel after the event it was a two-day event and we looked over the videos and i was like whoa this is like really really awesome it was it kind of captured a lot of like really exciting moments and you, you kind of get to relive it a little bit um i was like some of these, some of them were really, really funny. Um, and uh, I was like, Oh, we should like post these somewhere. Um, so uh, that actually happened like the second day, but we, I was like, all right, the second day I'm gonna partake in this, uh, in, in this narcissism. And, um, you know, we, we brought it again. And, uh, after we got back, we, we created the account and started posting stuff. And, uh, we've been like out for like about two, three months now. And like, we, we got like about, three thousand no like two thousand followers um so it kind of picked up and people like kind of really liked it um and uh it it was just more of like a channel like for him to kind of like he he really really got interested in like just learning more videography and getting better at it he was like oh these videos that we're posting they're just like they're just crops of like like snippets of like the full videos but i want to do like you know full storylines and stuff like that so he started picking that up and he started getting more into like photography and videography and mm. um, that was really really cool that's stuff you've been into for a while yeah i haven't done videography really but um photography i've been doing since before i started design that's actually how i got into design um i started off like when i was about i would say 14 and a half um right about there i worked uh like in the summer in a pizza store and saved up and, and bought myself a camera and then uh like begged like local like photography studios to take me as an intern and, and when i say intern i mean like free slave employee right um sure. just so i can learn the traditional meaning of intern <laughs> the traditional yeah um so i did that and um instead of actually learning how to do photography i was just kept in the in the studio all day and retouching photos so i actually got like really get a Photoshop um, and then started repurposing it and like started getting into graphic design and slowly, slowly kind of built on that. But it kind of all started with uh, buying a camera actually. <laughs> what so, camera was it? Uh, it was actually a T T three uh, I, I think okay. Canon. Yeah. Canon rebel. It was yeah. like one of the first ones. It was a T three I or T T one I. Sorry. Okay. It was like the first like rebel T one I, I think now they're like a, like way ahead of that i don't know where they're at now um but yeah that's that's where it all started like a little janky camera with a kit lens um i remember when i when i first got it, i actually made sure to buy the battery grip because with the battery grip the camera looked more professional <laughs> i was nice. like if i have a battery grip they might assume i have some real gear it'll take me seriously it'll take me seriously with your kit lens and <laughs> yeah it was like a, it was like a 150 dollar kit lens and, hey, if uh, it does a trick but the battery grip yeah it's just uh you know well, because I got to ask, what are you shooting with these days? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's funny you ask. Um, today, I actually put a post on Facebook um, talking about, like, switching over to Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, so two Which years, is a big trend. Like, yeah. all my friends are Lots using Sony. It's crazy. It. Yeah, at first, Good I was you. skeptical about it. Brian. Brian well, I'm not Nikon. a photographer. I'm it's, like... You're on some rookie Nikon shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I am a rookie. Some traditional <laughs> shit. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so. Hipster. Yeah, I, I started off with Canon. Uh, went o- uh, went o- lost 
got all my gear stolen. And then like when I was a kid and then st- when I started back up again, I, I went to Nikon. Um, and when I wanted to get into like, get a full frame camera, I just wasn't pleased with like the options that Nikon had on the market. Um, so I went to Canon. I wanted to get like the 5D Mark III. It was like the best one there. And I was mm-hmm. like telling myself, oh, you can do videography. And that's what all the cool kids are doing these days. And, you know, it's just uh, have those options open to you. Um, and so I did. Did and, you use and, those options? Nah, no, no. <laughs> well, once in a while, like, like I always am like, ah, oh, these options. I can do so much with it. And yeah, then I yeah, use like yeah. one and feature. You're like, no, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, so there was that, and then so I'm sh- I'm shooting right now with like a Canon 5D Mark III, and um, when I worked at Mixbook, um, I got a pretty awesome present from the company for like recruiting Max and Ilya and uh, Drew. Um, they bought me an RX Bash one. Uh, Drew Heron, Ilya Chobra, I think that's the way it's pronounced, and Max de Capua. Okay. Um, all really, really, really talented designers. Um, and um, pretty much they, I remember Andrew uh, Lafoon, he, he's a CEO, he pulled me over and he's like, oh, I want to get my wife a camera. Uh, what do you think is a really, really good camera? And uh, I started talking to him, I was like showing him different stuff. And I was like, he was telling me like, he wants something portable, but really, really good quality. And I was like, all right, so you want to go like the RX1, get the viewfinder because like without it, like it's kind of weird to like, you know, take pictures with the screen and whatnot. Yeah. Um and he's like, oh, thank you, thank you for the feedback. And then, like, I went away for like a trip to LA for like the weekend or something. Like, I came back and it was like a um, Scott, the my, my my PM. He came over to me. He's like, so on behalf of the company, we wanted to give you this as a thank you for um, you know helping us put together such an awesome team. And Damn, I, I, and nice. I opened it up and it was like a beautiful brand new RX One sitting in the box <laughs> with the viewfinder, which I might add is also like fucking 500 bucks for no apparent reason um so like the camera takes amazing pictures too phenomenal like, yeah like just outstanding so you mentioned selfie stick and actually the first time i met you we were out shooting photos with right. uh jared Arondo and Jeff sortino who you were working with at the time yes and then uh christophe tozier from facebook and I feel, was was jeremy those? goldberg yes um was anybody else i don't know you guys all like volunteered to come like take me out shooting because i was really that was my first time actually really going with them yeah yeah nice my first time yeah Uh, i always wanted to go with them i just lucked into it so (laughs) (laughs) but you had this like we call it the selfie stick yeah okay in my defense uh it's a boom pole okay it's not (laughs) a selfie (laughs) stick stick. just say that this is a boom pole yeah it is not a selfie stick (laughs) but we called it a selfie stick yeah so selfie stick screw it 15 feet something like that yeah it's like a 12 foot like carbon fiber like selfie stick slash boom pole um (laughs) so it's like a reverse monopod yep yeah it um i bought it with the intention of using it for um for music festivals and being able to like capture like uh um kind of crowd photos uh from like really really high angles um this past week i actually used it for the first time at a music festival lightning in a bottle and it it just it it produced some really really phenomenal results it it almost it fully extended um it actually makes like the photos look like they've been taken off a drone it's really fun yeah Yeah. you call it your drone too yeah it's (laughs) it's just like the most portable drone and and it weighs like under a pound and a half so it's like super portable um and it compacts down to like two and a half feet it's like super fun and i i I bought it for that and that 
I actually got it like three days before we went on that hike. So I was like, I need to try it. I just need to put it to some work. So I just brought it along. I barely got any use out of it. Um, because when you're up like hiking on mountains, like taking your camera and making it 12 feet higher doesn't really add a perspective. Right. Um, because like all of your pictures seem like they've been taken from the sky anyways. Right. Um, so it didn't really add this interesting perspective. It worked really well with the hang glider. So we came across that a hang glider true. randomly. And so I got like way down low because that was all I could do. <laughs> I had like this cheap, shitty, like a uh, Next 5R, Sony Next 5R. Nothing special at all, kit lens. And it's a pretty so I was good like, camera. It was okay. I it mean, got better though because his camera also has an E mount. So yes. he got to start using like I, all of like. Uh, <laughs> I was using Christoph and Josh's like $2,000 lenses. <laughs> <laughs> so he got a little bit of an upgrade like halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Christoph's like, oh, that's E mount, right? Here, take this. <laughs> I was like, yes. what? <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yeah. So it's like it was a, fun. some ridiculous lens. I don't know. It was a ridiculous zoom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're like pretty good. They have pretty good lenses for for that camera. Oh yeah. Um. The 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 lenses they use themselves. A sevens, right? Yeah. The I yeah. think they're both on the A seven S. Yep. Um. Which I don't know if I'd get. Uh. Just because it's like more optimized for like videography. So you're talking about sensitivity. You're talking about getting like an A seven R. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what I should get because I also have the RX one. Um. So the RX one is really similar to like the standard A seven as far as like sensor. Uh, mm-hmm. megapixels it's a little slower like though right like the rx1's bit. pretty slow uh the rx1 uh in what sense like just focusing and stuff like that yeah i've heard I've, it's a little bit slow to shoot yeah it, it is also like two years older than yeah. the a7 i think so um i haven't played enough with the a7 to know the difference um that was the thing that blew my mind is how fast they were taking photos like yeah well, <laughs> they, bear in mind they also have the a7s which also has much lower megapixel count so i think the the handoff Sorry, the, the gain of having a lower megapixel count um, is obviously you can get more light out of every megapixel and also um, there's less information so it can focus faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think ma- there's a possibility, but don't quote me on it, that like the A7S is, can also focus po- potentially faster than the A7 standard or the A7R. I know for a fact that the A7R like has less focusing capabilities than the A7 itself. So it might also carry over to like, that as well um but the rx1 it, it does a job 99.9999 well it takes amazing photos like yeah. you're just throwing it up on a pole and everything that came down was fucking gold like yeah. it was great it, it's actually somewhat inconvenient uh, because like there's no way to like remotely control um the rx1 so it, it's like this really interesting game like when you uh i put it on a 10 second timer that's as high as it goes and then you pre-focus it and then you pretty much like within 10 seconds you have to like open the whole like six like hoist the boom ball. Yeah, hoist. yeah so you got to do that really really quick position it and it snaps and you bring it down hoping it's really good um as opposed to like i think like the a7 has like wi-fi and you just like control from mm. your phone or even use a remote like yeah, shutter which would be really, really really ideal yeah. you just like put it up and take like 100 pictures and one's bound to be good sure. when it comes down sure. um but yeah we'll so, have to do like an exposure thing or whatever and we'll throw some of our photos into it and we we can show people what we're actually talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we should do that um throw in the show notes but yeah, uh, to your original question, uh, <laughs> circling back, <laughs> circling back from this tangent, um, I'm currently like Canon, um, but hoping to switch over to Sony um, in like early July. 
uh, because having the RX one in parallel to the five D, I, I barely took out the five D. Matter of fact, like I was looking to sell it, right? And I everybody was asking me what's the short account on it, and I, I assumed it was like easy way up in like seventy thousand, eighty thousand, maybe a hundred thousand. Just like pulled it up, and it was just like at like less than thirteen thousand shutter counts. I was like, that's all the use I got out of it for like two years. Bear in mind that I dropped like five grand on it. I was like, wow. Like get rid of this quick. Those are like, some expensive photos. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. So gonna get rid of that and gonna get something way, way more practical like the A seven. It's just lighter. It's more convenient. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they're definitely coming around. I think Sony's like doing a really good job pioneering and like technology as far as like cameras go. I'm really impressed. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't have expected people like Christoph to be pulling that kind of amazing photo out of a Sony. Like just, just I'm not an expert in photography mm-hmm. by any by any stretch oh, yeah. i'm totally out of my element here i don't know but well i've just gotten really into it lately i'm like this is something i want to learn i've started using photography a lot more in my design work because i've just traditionally just been like okay i'll just illustrate everything manually right like i've never used photos in my design work hardly ever yeah photography is a great uh hobby to pick up i think and also just a trade in general it's like really easy to kind of get into it seems pretty started. common among designers as well like yeah pretty generally like people like taking those kind of photos i'm loving it like it's a lot of fun i'm okay, so bad what, at it but i what's like it the best intro camera for someone who like wants to pick up a a new somewhat nice camera i don't know under a thousand dollars or something i i would say the fuji like x100s mm-hmm. um, i've heard good things about that one about something like that but a lot of people assume that they're gonna like need like more lenses so they want to get a body that allows for interchangeable lenses um but it's to each your own. It depends what you're looking for, what you shoot. Um, anything from like a Canon Rebel or an entry Nikon would definitely teach you the mechanics of a, of a camera. So you definitely like learn more of like the art itself. Um, and from there, you can kind of get more picky and say, all right, I'm seeing myself doing like way more portraits and landscape, but you start figuring out the specifics and you can figure out a camera that's more to your needs. So if you find yourself shooting in low light a lot, I'd recommend the A7S, but if you're shooting a lot of portraits like me, I possibly wouldn't do that because I don't need it to behave that great in low light. I need it to have a higher megapixel count, so I'd want a better like a sensor that's more optimized for that. Unfortunately, there's not like a one-stop shop like solution for. What's the best camera? Yeah, it just Period. really depends. <laughs> yeah. Just on give me what one camera need. body, one lens. What do I get? <laughs> and it has to do it all, right? Just like everything. <laughs> it's just like that it's is gonna like do it all really shittily. Yeah, my, I, I had a friend that actually used to work at B&H and he used to like go there all the time when I lived in New York um, and hang out there when I was a kid because I, I didn't have money to buy photography mm-hmm. here. Um, so I just like, I hang out there and I just play with all their lenses all the time. And unfortunately, I can only take pictures within the store, but I mean, I loved it. I, I loved it. <laughs> Taking I was, photos of customers. Like, and- yeah, and I was just be like, this one has better bokeh. And I, I don't know how to <laughs> it these days. Uh, bokeh. Bokeh, but... Um, but yeah and then you can just like play around there's yeah. so many different options cool yeah fun stuff photography man photography yeah i'm like just getting into it i took uh i was got, i was in europe for 10 days and i took 1600 photos and i'm pretty proud of that because i i couldn't convince myself to actually take photos before yeah yeah the the, the biggest 
uh, I think the most rewarding part of, about doing photography is like when you're like four years in. You, you'd probably get this effect actually to some extent with your iPhone. Um, you ever go through like old photos and just like your your timeline on Instagram like way back, um, and then you're just kind of like reliving those moments um, when you're actually like shooting like actively um that happens but like with way more meaningful photos well like composed photos that not only like like freeze a moment in time but like really really tell the story if you get mm-hmm. i think that's a difference between like someone who has a camera and a photographer is like there's a difference between like just taking a photo and really capturing the essence of the moment um and, and learning how to do that takes a lot of time and i haven't i haven't gotten to a point where i can do that that well yet either it's fucking beautiful dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh so deep so deep oh. <sighs> Anyways, um, but when, like, for me, like, I go into, like, my old catalogs on Lightroom and and just, like, going to, like, old events and, like, different places where I took my camera, it's, like, it's really nostalgic. It's just, like, you just go back and and it's a lot of fun. And and I finally got, like, that, like, kind of um, feeling out of it because now I'm, like, I finally have photos that are a couple years old. So Mm -hmm. it's, like, really interesting to go back. Like, my my brother's, like, wedding and all this stuff. It's just, like, it's really, really interesting. Your brother's wedding? Uh, I took some photos, like, around, Maybe not the younger one. Uh, the older one. Oh, I was like, <laughs> what? He's yeah. 19, dude. Well, People can have more than one brother. I mean, that being said, my, my brother, my older brothers, I actually got married young. I'm, I'm from an Orthodox Jewish community, so getting married when you're 19 is actually really standard. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember like some Syrian Jews like in my community, um, like the daughters will even get married at 15, 16. It, it's super, super normal. And like they like I had a, I had a friend um in in um, middle school his his sister got married like when she was really young I think anywhere between like fifteen and sixteen but by the time she was like seventeen eighteen she was like already having two kids and she was picking up her brother from school it was like the strangest like shit I've ever seen like um at the time I didn't have an opinion about it because like that seemed normal <laughs> yeah. but now looking back at it I'm like I don't know. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, um, really Orthodox Jewish community. And um, big culture shift here in SF, I would say. Like, it's really different than what I grew up in. Uh, It's funny because there's, like, not a lot of Jews here. Or Jews from, like, Orthodox, like, backgrounds. Um, So, like, when you you talk about Judaism, like, it always blows people's minds, like, all the rules. Like, they're like, oh, so... you don't eat bacon? I'm like, like, I mean, no. And then he's like, wait, but, and then I tell him like the other rules and like, you can't mix meat with dairy and you can't do this and you can't do that. And like, but why that? And why this? And I'm like, cause you got rules that come with no explanation. You want me to get into details? <laughs> but you, but you like, can eat a hell of a lot because. of Chinese chicken wings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, they're, they're amazing. Santang's is. He like, ordered like six batches of chicken wings the first time I met him. <laughs> and And these Dude. are like, giant platters of chicken wings and he just ordered just a shit ton of them did you yeah, take them home uh well i took this is the really bag exciting out, and then i was like to jared like here's a bag like take this home like i'm i'm going home with like uh jeremy and he he kind of said yes no like he's like no i'm not taking it but i assumed he would take it right and then like the next day he me just like left it there and i was like oh god i would have took that <laughs> so but we did damage though i'm just putting that out there we like we ordered like six portions holy shit we ate a lot of food um like okay since we're on the jewish topic it was a feast of king david okay that's what that was it was like it was massive but with black bean noodles yeah and a lot of fried chicken <laughs> and there was barely anything left so i mean props to the team you know just uh putting put in work <laughs> Props to the team. <laughs> it's like it's just like everybody was just like quiet. It was like, like you just only hear like people munching away. And at one point we just said, "All right, time to go home." But, later, uh, later. 
So when you came to SF, was that for Mixbook or for Crinkle? Crinkle. Crinkle. Actually, when I first moved here, I moved out here to work for a company called Backplane. Um, I was there for like Back about a plane? year. Backplane. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what they're up to these days either. Well, I mean, when you... What work- is Backplane? Okay. What was Black Backplane? Sure. I don't know what they are now. Um, now they're places.xyz, I think. I don't know. All right. Oh, that's a domain name. So what did they do? Okay, so at first, like, they they strive to, like, kind of not really replace, but kind of make a substitution to, like, forums, kind of make, like, a community-based, like, platform. Um, So they allow you to just, like, create some sort of community that allows people to have conversations in a very Mm -hmm. intuitive way, blah, blah, Um, And they started off with, like, Lady Gaga's community called Little Monsters, and then they did a couple of, like, other, other, like, um, white, like list uh, kind of like communities for a bit um and then i left and i don't know what happened after that wait how did you get that job was that um, did they bring you out here or you had come here and then you got no that? yeah they brought me out here how did you hook up with them um i think i emailed i was just like spamming everybody i just wanted to get the hell out of new york so i was like i was just sending emails to everybody i'm like oh i'm looking for blah blah, blah. i'm a designer yada yada here's my dribble profile like I, I write nothing i'm like i'm looking for work i'm I have a dribble profile and then um some people just like responded back and um they flew me out and i was interviewing at the time with a couple of companies and they seemed like an interesting bet they're really young and i was really young and i didn't know shit right so i just didn't want to like work for like a really really big company and like get called out for being like really novice and like new so i figured if i go to a startup that doesn't have their shit together and like still learning their stuff like I'll be able I, to get I, away with they'll it. Yeah, just put I, up with it yeah <laughs> or they wouldn't be able to like you know pin it on me so it's kind of like uh it seemed like an ideal environment to learn um and uh being more like a part of like m- more aspects of like the organization which was really cool um but they definitely had like a really awesome team um I got to work with like some really, really smart engineers and really learn. It was like my first experience, like really working with a team. Um, and it, it definitely taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious. Lots of people reach out asking like, how do I even get more involved in the design community, especially people that are outside of SF? Do you have any advice or like what was helpful for you when you made that transition? Uh, so, huh, um, <laughs> I got asked that question at, uh, recently at, um, what was it? It was at Yelp. They had like this mentor thing, the UX night, right? And there was like a lot of students oh, yeah, asking yeah, me, yeah. Like, how, how do I, how do I get in? What do I do? Andy Galpern's thing. What? Andy Galpern's thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I was asked that and I, I don't know how to have like a strange, like kind of, I don't, I don't know if it's like something I'd recommend everybody doing. I did it, but Hey, I was like a Jew from Brooklyn. I, all I knew how to do was hustle. Right. So I had, like, a, little <laughs> bit, I had a little bit of a mouthpiece. Um, I knew that what I needed in order to like get jobs of like that caliber were not available to me. And there were like, like kind of experience that I'd learned on the job. So honestly, like I, I lied. <laughs> I w- I didn't lie like blatantly. I just like say like, um, like they'd ask me, do you, do you have experience with this? And I'd answer, I answer a lot. Yes. But instead of ever saying no, Right. Um, I, I kind of sugarcoat a lot of things. Right. Um, and then once you get the job, you just like scramble and learn it. Right. Yeah. Then you're um, like, I actually have to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Just and, hustle. And yeah. And, uh, 
something Chris Kalani said like on the, on the previous episode, which I think is like really smart is like a lot of times, like you just like you take on uh, projects and, and get paid for it. Even if you're like, you don't know how to do it and, and because they'll force you like figure it out. Right. Um, and it was like a lot of how I did it. Um, I didn't only take things I knew how to handle. I, I took things w- out of my reach sure. a lot. Um, and it kind of pushed me in a situation where it was like, Hey, like, you know, you got an apartment, you got this and it's expensive. Like, you got to figure this out or it's just going to blow up in your face. Like, so you just, you have uh, no choice but to learn. And that was kind of um, something I learned really, really early on because I, I moved out of my parents' house when I was like 14 and a half. So, really? yeah. Um, so like I was paying rent and I had to do all this stuff and like, you know, no, it wasn't a possibility. It's just like you say yes and then you figure it out. It was like, that was kind of like the flow. Um, so and where are you at today? Are you feeling pretty confident? <laughs> I got I got much better. I yeah. would say um, there, I definitely still have my strong suits and my weak suits, and I'm I'm constantly learning, constantly growing. Um, I'm not remotely as close to as good as some of like the designers out here in the Bay Area. I admire them for how good they are and how smart they are. But that's why I'm here. Is like you know in the Bay Area, um, one of the biggest upsides is you're surrounded by really 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 smart individuals that are really passionate about what they do. Um, it definitely bleeds over onto you and, and you learn a lot. Um, and there's, um, it's, it's definitely a great opportunity to learn, especially being in this environment. There's also something very motivational about knowing that if you don't hustle to do something, someone else will. Oh yeah. So you really got to like kick it into gear as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. It's stressful, but it's, it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I remember like reading an article about like Mark Cuban, how he like opened up like a bar when he was like a kid or something. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, he and everybody wonders how he did is like, you don't I mean, you don't have to have like uh, you don't have to serve the alcohol, but you can run the business like underage perfectly fine. Right. And and I think like the takeaway from that is like um, people like should stop trying to be smart, like try to be clever, right? You have to figure out ways like around the system and, and how to like, and find the gaps. If you keep looking in the most obvious spots, they're like nine out of 10 times, everybody else are looking in those spots, right? So they're, they're pretty much occupied, right? Like the jobs that everybody wants are taken the 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 way the path of how to obtain things like you know everybody else is doing it the same way when you're when you're different you're unique and you start getting clever and you figure out the loopholes the gaps and you make that work to your advantage you really start like making progress and and i think that's like a lot of times like what like systems like colleges and universities don't teach you is how to be clever they just give you a set of rule of thumbs um and then you're just kind of stuck in the real world and you're like all right what do i do with all this right um i i come from a family of attorneys Awesome. It's all like lawyers and attorneys, whatever. My sister and my dad. And my sister was like, okay, so what do I need to do to go work at like a startup or something like that? And I like spent all this time like reaching out to like anyone I knew doing legal stuff in the in the valley or whatever. And the answer was law school teaches you what you can't do. Mm-hmm. The trick is finding loopholes. Just fucking find a way to pull off whatever you need to do. Don't don't worry about what you can't do. Just find a way to get it done. Yeah. Most definitely. Like, that's, that's how it is in the Valley. You just got to find the way to do what I you need to do. I think that's how it is like everywhere. I think like a lot yeah. of, a lot of people that are really, really successful or have done something really, really impactful and great. Like, you know, they, they definitely stand more on the side of like being clever. Like they figure it out, something unique, something different mm-hmm. rather than just doing something everybody already did a little bit different. Right. Um, so it's figuring out how to, how to practice that yourself. And I think the way you do that is you can't have a plan for it. You just kind of have to fail a lot and just like keep yep. trying. Well, it's kind of what like design and development are a lot is you, mm-hmm. you do a lot of things that don't work and then suddenly something does work and you're like, okay, I'll keep going on this path. 
Yeah. So, then same thing over and over and over. Yeah. Bang your head against the wall until it finally breaks through. Absolutely. It's a hard process. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts. It's fine. Okay. It absolutely does. What was? You had something you were gonna say. Yeah. Uh, no, we actually say it. It, Brian. Was, it was basically just that. It was like okay. it's easier said <laughs> than done because oftentimes, like going down that path, you just hit a thousand roadblocks trying to be clever until you like actually. The people who win are the people who stick with it, though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Wow, we should start a motivational podcast, Bryn. Um, I'm too cynical for that. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep it grounded. Oh, God. All right, so then you went to Clinkle? Or was yeah. After Backplane. After Backplane, I went to Clinkle. I, okay. I contracted for a bit. Um, I worked with like a startup like called Balloon uh, for a bit, which was like in the fashion industry, um, and then also worked with uh, uh, a company that was really close to my apartment at the time uh, called Viral Heat. Um, which was like um, kind of like a tool to be able to like monitor all of your social media activity in one place. Um, it was kind of a marketing tool. Um, so I worked with them for a bit. Um, that was like just contracting, trying to find like the right job and kind of trying to find something that really, really suits me. Um, what, like what were the criteria you had? I wanted a company that had less business politics. Cause I was like, I, I felt at the time was like the number one thing that was scarred from, um, from like, uh, from backplane. It was, there was a lot of initiative to just do, we said initially we we're going to do like a, a like, whitelisted uh communities to kind of get um exposure and then from there we're gonna span out to like building this platform where like anybody can come in and create a community so anybody can have a voice um but then it kind of felt like it was just strictly going in the whitelist kind of direction okay so like nike and all this all the all these other companies i was like well what about the small guys no that seemed like an interesting problem for me um so when when I left and then the reason why they went to like kind of like the whitelist like kind of area was just more um like you know there's there's more of a business incentive to do that right um and i i at the time was like all right i want to work for a company that's really really true to their product and you know focus on design and with little knowledge as to like really what that meant but i had a skeptical idea um and uh i got introduced to rob ryan um through a friend of mine a mutual friend and uh I spoke to like Clinkle and they seemed like a really, really good bet. Like even like the time they had like a prototype of what they wanted to make. And it was just like, it was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the, the wallet itself, the design for it was kind of skeuomorphic and it was just kind of not exactly my taste, but the animations, the way everything worked, the way it was like purified. It was just, it was like really, really brilliantly done. Um, and I was like, whoa, they're they're pioneering and shit. And this is like next caliber stuff. And I want to like be here because clearly if I, worked with this team like i'd learn a lot i'd be pushed to like my limits um so i so that's why i joined there so yeah and what did you end up working on while you're there i worked on like the web version of like the wallet so it's a digital wallet yeah basically on your yeah. phone pretty much just like using your phone to pay for everything cool that's what they for context how long ago was this like has Oof. that business was it like three almost three plus years ago oh time flies it's a long time in the valley so, yeah you're still <laughs> like 17 <laughs> seriously until 17 wow yeah that's young yeah it was uh that's 100%. really young yeah 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 at the time there was actually like barely any like kids in tech and, and i didn't do i i never did like the the standard kids in tech thing like now you see like a lot of kids like in the yc like incubators and stuff like that but like i i just went straight and like working for companies and at the time there wasn't like that many like younger people in the bay like one of my close friends that i got to know and he was like one of the few that i knew that was my age was like daniel brusilovsky and um 
so like we got like really close uh, like there was another um kid like raj um i always mess up his last name it was rodmaruthi but uh, <laughs> i'll have fun looking that one up he's he's a really really <laughs> smart smart kid um i think he's like right about 20 now um at the time he was working for like square as an intern really smart kid but those there's a limited Square's picked up a lot of young interns yeah which i think they did a good move on that yeah right? like great. they're really really like you know like i don't know like passionate and really really want to like get their hands dirty with everything mm-hmm. so it's just it's really good um they push themselves yeah there's a the huge trend now of all the hacker houses where you get the high school dropouts oh, and- did you guys see the castle at stanford oh gosh i haven't <laughs> yes <laughs> it's called a startup castle or whatever they have all these ridiculous rules I'll, we'll put a link in the show notes it's ridiculous Speaking the of- rules are insane like it's, it's like you the- can't have x number of tattoos you can't have done this drug within the last you can't days. You, you can't wear makeup every day like so it's pretty exclusive you can't you can't drive a car that your parents paid for you can't have ever been prescribed uh psychiatric drugs <laughs> it's just twice insane. yeah you can only have them prescribed once and they're like <laughs> their reasoning was like oh we just we're looking for a certain kind of person that will it's join a us. focal point for what is wrong with silicon valley <laughs> yes well, link in the show notes that, for anyone that needs a laugh because we, we it, started that list it's oh, pretty funny yeah, it's pretty long too yeah it's aggressive but um uh, the actually the most impressive hacker house i've ever seen was uh a startup called chattis um they're they're doing like um kind of uh an anonymous like chat platform and uh they're a bunch of students out of stanford and then when they started they got like a like a series a or seed around um and then they were like all right let's get a place and like all work out of it. And they got like this place out of in in Woodside, if I'm not mistaken, it was huge. It was like, it literally looked like a Gatsby mansion. It it had like 16 bed, it was (laughs) 16,000 square feet, I think. And it had like a servant's quarter. It was old. It was beautiful. Like I remember like pulling up like to visit and like, it had like the gates and it had the ring. And then there's like, you know, like this full like driveway that loops in and it's just like, it's crazy. And like, of course, they didn't furnish it, right? So it's just like a bunch of echoes when you walk in. It's just like, and there's just like one room with a bunch of IKEA empty. desks, <laughs> a bunch of computers, yeah, a bunch of IKEA desks and computers. Uh, yeah. And then uh, there was like another room that was like massive, literally the size of a half court half court basketball court. It was just like empty. Right? It was, and there's so many bedrooms. It was massive. It was that definitely took uh, took the crown on the the uh, hacker house. From like what I've seen in the past, you have an interest in starting your own company. Someday? I do, I uh, absolutely do. Um, for me, uh, the companies I usually work with uh, or I choose to work with are usually strategically picked based on like the problems I'd be able to potentially work on. Um, that would also carry over to teaching me things I'd need to know to one day do my own startup. Okay, I, I tried doing my own startup when I was a kid. Actually, when I was like sixteen, we I did like this one project called uh, Grubhub, and that was like a like. No, not Grubhub. Sorry, I was like, that's, my bad. Uh, whoa, thank I was you. like, whoa. No, 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 no. no, no. Seriously, impressive. Actually, it's a little uh, side project. Not, not that, not that far. Actually, uh, it's called Grubbot, right? Um, and at the time, that's actually what we were competing against. Uh, Grubhub was really small at the time, and um, it was Seamless Web that was out. And and when I when I was like that young, I uh, I was working a lot with like local restaurants on helping them with their graphic design stuff and their menus and stuff like that. And I got just like really familiar with them Two of my best friends own like a chain of uh, sushi restaurants in, in, um, 
in Brooklyn. And uh, a problem that became really obvious to me is like, how do people order online? And I looked into the options that were available and it, it just like, they're really like, they're just utter shit. Like at the time, like you want to change anything, like you'd have to call seamless web. They charge you a fee. Like it's super slow. I was like, what if I made a system that allowed like the restaurateur to have like full control? They can through a UI, create a menu and you know, they'd have like a wall to kind of engage with like reviews and talk to their customers and whatever it is. And, um, I was like, all right, let, let me build this tool. And and uh, at first we called it Floopy um, because <laughs> I was like, really, I got to do nothing. Um, and pretty much I was like, I just need a catchy name because that's what Floopy. Google did. <laughs> yes. And I was like, it needs to be under like a certain amount of characters so it can easily be spelt. Right. I don't want anything that's like 20 characters long. Right. And, you know, I went on the logic, like if I have the domain name, I got the company. Right. And um, I, named my <laughs> I named my dog after uh, the company. <laughs> Wow, and you've really got invested. I don't that. have that dog anymore either. Um, it was my that's so me, symbolic. Geez. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Someone just like, stuck with that dog named Floopy. Yeah, my ex. She has. Uh, <laughs> she has a dog. That's and, some um, cold revenge, dude. <laughs> she, she's pretty much named after like a failed startup. So that's a little inside scoop. That was always, that was always funny. Um, and then uh, yeah, so I did that, and and we like worked really really hard on it. Um, everything I had stayed up like until like. 3 a.m. like every day work around the clock but um i didn't know anything about raising money i didn't know anything about like the funding world or anything like that and um everything was just paid out of pocket really um i'd work at a at a grocery store as like um i did like marketing design there and i'd like hustle away like and just take every penny pay my rent um i'd even like i even got like my my apartment set up so like I can rent out the second room. Um, so I'd pay like almost nothing and I'd use every penny I had. And my, my girlfriend at the time, her like savings to like kind of invest into this, uh, this idea, pay like these engineers. And I knew nothing about hiring engineers. So like pretty much like all my money was like, not, I wouldn't say stolen from me because it was my, my stupid decisions, right. To like hire people that weren't qualified, but I didn't know any better at the time. Um, and like, it pretty much just all went to shit. Like a, a year and a half in, like, it was just like, oh, we don't even have like 10% of this product built out. Like a lot of valuable lessons, don't get me wrong. And then like at the end of it, I was just like, all right, dropping this entrepreneurship, like hat for a little bit, just got to recover financially and, uh, start working with some really smart people and start figuring out like how to make something like this happen. So, so I did that. I just, I started like working with different companies. Um, and, uh, slowly, slowly years later. We're here. Um, I'm hoping to like kind of get to a point where I do my own company. Um, I think like the bottleneck now is just finding an idea that I can actually say is like something I want to work on. Uh, there's a lot of people I would say like in the Bay Area that are just on this entrepreneurship like bandwagon and they're just like, oh, money's easy. Let's just, uh, you know, it's like this random idea I had while I was taking this doogie once. And I'm like, let's just make that a reality. <laughs> right. And um, it's just like a half baked idea. And it just like, it gets funded, obviously. You can't even say it's not. Gonna I get funded every stupid idea gets funded now um so and then they just start building it and uh, for me like i see like a company as like something i want to work on for like upwards of like two three years um possibly like much longer um and i'm trying to figure out what my interests are and like what i really am passionate about uh to overlap my my skills to like build out a company on that so i just haven't bumped into an idea that i think is like something i'd like put my full time into yet but once it comes around it'll jump. happen, it'll happen. The, the really interesting and cool like exciting pattern to me is that every single thing that you've like listed has a physical component 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like everything you've worked on has a physical side and that's not something that's very common here. A lot of things are just purely digital. Yeah. Um, for, for me, like after I worked at Mixbook, um, that, that was like the biggest thing when I, when I worked at Mixbook that, that opened my eyes as like, uh, more than anything is, um, when I worked with like the vendors to create the book and working on physical products, working on packaging and working on all that stuff, it was really, really exciting. And I really loved it. And I really enjoyed the diversity of, of like kind of how many like different aspects of the product there were and the fact that it wasn't all digital. And I kind of made that almost like a requirement for myself, like moving forward oh, yeah. of like, all right, next companies I'm going to work at, like, you know, I want them to have a physical product because like, I want to be able to like touch that as well. And it, it definitely keeps me on my feet. I love that like a lot. So yeah, physical products, they're cool. That's, that's pretty legit. That's pretty I, I thought it was crazy that we actually vaguely must have worked together. Like it was right about the <laughs> same time that I was working at one of your guys' vendors. So what was the name of the company? Uh, Taylor Corporation. or I think the specific subsidiary you worked with was, call, was called uh, Carlson Craft. Hmm, cool. Yeah. Um, what else are you super excited about right now? Um, I don't know. I'm... I'm been spending a lot of time like in the past like year or two like trying to get into different hobbies um that, that's been like a, that's been going pretty good um a lot of i find like for me like i'm more interested in like really really diverse aspect of like kind of creating um and like kind of the creative process i do design i enjoy it interaction design but i, I love all aspects like as far as photography is one of them and spend a lot of time kind of getting into music and packaging design and like physical stuff like yeah. especially a mixed book but one of the most rewarding uh projects i worked on was the actual physical book so like when we worked on montage book we sought out to like make a really really substantial book that would be really really cost efficient not not just for uh, not for us as a company really but like for the actual user um and really give you like substantial results and it had to feel like substantial as well so uh working on the cover i remember like we had like this crazy idea um where we're like oh what if we put like memory foam into like the back of it like the back part of the cover like if you order one it's like this is like one of my prideest like kind of like inventions is just like there's only memory foam on the back side of the cover because like when when like the weight pushes in on your fingers it just feels like the the book itself is just like seeping in oh, and it makes cool. for like this really rewarding kind of like holding experience um most people don't even notice it but, like it's a rewarding holding experience that's amazing yeah so i have an unboxing experience it's just like a holding experience and we went like wow i remember like all the iterations we did to get it right like there was so much memory foam that when you cut it that thin like it just doesn't have it just like doesn't have that sinking feeling it mm. doesn't it just like loses its like girth like and then like <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> all right <laughs> but um it was a lot of fun because, like, when uh, when it finally got done like it really really kind of lived up to that and it was just like wow this is like really really great um but yeah it was it was fun doing that got into like like a year a year and a half ago started getting into music i i always wanted to do it and i was like ah, i don't know how to play any instruments and it's like you know screw it i was just like pick up ableton and started like messing around yeah. the first thing we talked about yeah the first time i met you right off the bat we, we sat down for lunch at nopalito or something like that yeah and you immediately were like, oh, you podcast. What kind of mics do you use? What kind of equipment do you use? Like, what's your rack look like? <laughs> it's crazy. Do you got a rack? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> it's a USB we're hub. USB <laughs> we're going to a laptop. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been going really good. And uh, 
also got into like videography and like messing around more with like my GoPros, but trying to like also get out of the city. Ever since I moved into the city, I assume like I, I would love the day I moved into the city, but after I got here, like real quick, like my number one objective is to like spend as much get time out. <laughs> out of the city as possible. Um, because it's just like, it's very much a bubble. And I, I, that's the part that I miss a lot about like living in the peninsula is just like the, the amazing weather I would say is like, it's always, I was driving up from like San Mateo, I went to Costco in San Mateo, uh, cause I went to like, uh, go eat like lunch or brunch, like at a, at a spot there. Um, that I used to go to, it was right, right next to my old apartment. Um, it was like right on a, like the waterfront and, um, I went there and on the way back, like before I left, I, I looked at my dash in my car and I was like, oh, 79 degrees, made it up to the city of 61. I was like, <laughs> how is this possible? Like it just drops yep. like 20 degrees. And that, oh man, 61 degrees is like perfect. Yeah, but like. So then why? The peninsula gets really hot. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Well. That's uncomfortable. It's still breezy. It's never humid. <laughs> still breezy. Titles on the waterfront. Still mean, breezy. I don't know if I can say it's hot because like I grew up in New York. Like when it, when it's cold That's in New true. York, it's freezing. Like I went to New York in cold. July one time and it was Not hell. Fun. Yeah, Dude. and then when it's hot, shit, like so bad. Okay, but you ride a motorcycle. This is perfect motorcycle weather. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that, that is true. That <laughs> he has is the motorcycle true. I want. Uh, it's a great motorcycle, yeah. Okay, so funny, <laughs> so, funny story about that. Um I actually haven't ridden it for like about two months for like the stupidest reason. Um, Which cracks me up. Oh my God. It's so bad. Um, so Ducati, like you think like when you spend like a substantial amount of money on a motorcycle, there's some like kind of fallback, like a fail safe for people who lose their keys. And, and bear they mind, actually have one like, and you lost that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so you have like, but here's the thing. It's like, it's a smart key, right? It's a smart key, literally a smart key. When you, when I lost my key to my, to my car, which, um, Bear in mind, it's like also cheaper than my motorcycle. Um, I went to a dealership. I got it towed. It was within like warranty. So I got towed for free. And then like within an hour, like I was out with a new key for less than 200 bucks. But, and all I had to do is show proof of ownership, right? Uh, they keep the cut codes. They have all that information. Ducati, they have my whole profile. They have like my name, my address, everything. They just don't have the cut code. It's like an arbitrary string of like alphanumeric. They're just like, it's just like, they don't have that. And because of that, I have to switch out the lock set of the motorcycle and to get a new key it's like a $1600 endeavor i'm like what like you can buy a new motorcycle for 1600 bucks like so i'm just like you know what screwed i'm not i'm not doing that right now i was like anyways busy with work and i'm like all right screw I'm it. the weather it's like a tenth of the bike <laughs> it, it literally is i was like shit and um so it's just like parked there and i'm just like i'm just like so stubborn i'm like I'm not going to pay a thousand bucks. Wistfully every I'm like day debating with them, like trying to get them to like cover it because everybody has a fallback, even BMW for like the motorcycles have smart keys. It's all you do is show like proof of ownership. Um, and they're like, Oh, sorry. We, we don't like have anything for it. I'm like, what, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> and then like, they finally like got back to me and they're like, all right, we're not able to give you the parts for free. I'm like, okay, but we can give you the parts at cost. I'm like, Okay, so where does that put me, right? And they're like, well, the the parts were initially like eight hundred fifty, and now they're like five hundred seventy, and I, and that doesn't include labor. Labor is like the biggest like bitch because like we're in SF. Labor is right? insane here. In in SF, everything's like ridiculous. Like 
once played to my benefit though because like when i got i crashed my car right um <laughs> it was all cosmetic right and i was like all right, i'm gonna get a dent doctor and just cash out from like the from the insurance right and uh i got to charge them sf rates right like my dad like sent me a quote because he owns a body shop yeah. right and he i was like dad i need a i need a quote and he's like send me a quote i'm like he puts down like 45 bucks an hour for labor and i'm like dad that's like jersey this is like so do SF. we edit out this uh insurance fraud <laughs> <laughs> no it's actually not you, you have a choice to do so um so like i was able to get like a full like almost like almost two grand extra like out of like the damages whatever it is because it's just like the labors it's like, karma man yeah no yeah, maybe something like that oh, but wow. what if it well, had been the exact amount you needed for that? possibly is it's the lock um, system the keys aren't it, karma the keys are really cheap but yeah that's a terribly designed system yeah it's it ridiculous just, they're not like and i gave them the whole like, so it's a wireless product key, right? designer spiel i was like you think like the ima- user experience of this engagement is so shit no so so what i told them was like imagine you like called like a locksmith right and i told you the only way to get you into your house is by breaking down your entire door how would you feel like that was like the kind of like the metaphor I gave them. And like, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't. like he's just a customer service guy. So he's, <laughs> he doesn't know, he doesn't know what to say, but I'm, I'm looking forward to like getting it like back up and running. And uh, I'm hoping like, uh, to like around July to do some like uh, like extensive like road trips. Definitely the real reason it. I mentioned it was like it's a great way to get out of the city. Oh yeah, it's like the best way. No, I'm planning to do like long rides. It, it is more of like a cruiser, so it's very very in, like enjoyable like ride to go for like long distances. And honestly, I'm starting to have like envy with like Josh. He's going like to like random like areas. Like, but wants, he doesn't like, have a motorcycle. So. That's that's true. So my trips might be a little bit better. But he's still going to all these places. Went to Mojave like, Desert. Dude, right? He took like, amazing I'm, photos. We'll post those in the show notes too. Josh Lartino. Yeah, uh, he's super talented. He's like um he started with like photography God, not insane. even that long ago. Like, I I big ups to him. He He looks like he's like twelve, but he takes just these amazing <laughs> photos. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, he he's put in work with his photography. He's like he's been telling me he's like, Didi, I've been staying up like all night trying to figure this out, whatever it is. And I give him pointers from time to time, but like he like honestly, I'm just lazy. I take a bunch of photos and I just don't have like the patience to sit down and retouch them. But like he But you like, do all these like Photoshop tutorials about retouching. Eh, kinda. Not always. But I'm trying to get more You have like it. a YouTube channel, dude. <laughs> do I? Don't you? No. I did one uh, tutorial. Uh, one tutorial. I had like I this. look at these these tweets about adding. I added a video to a YouTube playlist. Oh yeah, that I did. Oh, so yeah, YouTube playlist. Oh, it's a playlist. Yeah, There's someone else's videos. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, you can see them now, dude. I was like, holy shit, this guy's serious. <laughs> no, actually, like I just this started makes a lot more sense. It. This when is a lot more in line with what I know of you. <laughs> so I forgot everything as far as like photo retouching because like when I first started, like I said, I started photography and all I do is edit photos. Um, so I used to be like a beast with that stuff. I I like take someone out of like a background, put him in, like it just it would work, like because they just like naturally like fuck up all the time at the weddings they'd just be like all right we fucked up you fix it right they're like the uncle just didn't show for like this family photo just like grab him out of like the crowd in some other random photo and just place him right here but make sure it looks not like random like you know natural and i'm like fuck right and i had to like figure those things out and i used to be like really good at it and i just forgot all of it um so trying to get back into it and mainly like primarily focusing on like portraits and trying to figure out like better ways to like retouch eyes and skins like it's been it's really interesting it's fun that's cool i think some of the the most fun chats we've had on the show have been where people have outside passions and like are ready to disconnect like a lot of the like sebastian he just like goes for long motorcycle rides and 
other people will play with their kids. Long like, motorcycle rides means something totally different than going to Alaska. <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah, like really, really long. Like To me, a long motorcycle ride is like Santa Cruz. It's like two hours each way. Yeah. But I don't know. I think of like the, the kids in the hacker houses and maybe like you've already done this and you've mm-hmm. moved beyond it, but like working 24 hours a day on a computer, yeah. designing, building. I, that's I, so I'd go draining. insane. Yeah. Uh, I used to do that. I used to be like, oh, like design, 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 tech, 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 tech for me. But like for me, like it's I try addictive. It. Yeah, I, I started this one thing that I, I've been keeping. It's a painful to. addiction though. I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm in that. No, we, we're all there uh, like at one point or another. Um, but uh, I started this one thing like uh, New Year's. It was like my New Year's resolution. It was called Selfie Sunday, actually. Um, I'd have been sticking I to it. This post. Um, it. It was really fun. I was like, all right, I want to like do a thing like where on Sundays I block out like seven hours of time uh, during the day. And there are like... N- like no rules, but it just like nobody can join me just by myself and just go do something that you haven't done before. Right. And I've been just like pushing myself to like do that. You're keeping up with it. Um, I missed a couple, but yeah, overall, like just trying to keep up with it. And, uh, sometimes I just like stay home and learn more music. Sometimes I'd go out and do like a certain type of photography that I haven't tried before. Like the other time I did like really long exposure night photography up in mountain time, like lit up like some old, like haunted places. And it's like really, really fun. And, and I think the biggest takeaway that I learned that was really cool is like when you do it by yourself, um, when you're like with friends and with other people, like you're kind of, you're kind of distracted. And when you're by yourself, like you're doing something so you're just your mind isn't like super concerned but you kind of have like a minute to like kind of think about your life and kind of retrospect on different things but while you're staying busy and you're learning new things it's actually really really fun yeah i love that yeah it was deep it, deep dd yeah deep deep dd <laughs> deep deep dd <laughs> <laughs> sounds kind of sexual but, <laughs> but well, now that you said it man <laughs> i had to put that out there oh god but um yeah it's uh, I I try like whenever I have free time like especially on the weekends I try to keep it clear from like all the work stuff you know and uh, if I'm doing work I'm doing something I want to do so like I take on like projects like a recent project that I, a recent project that I did that I really really loved was working with this one um, hip hop duo out of uh, Baltimore called Hip Hop Theory and um helping them rebrand and they didn't even have a budget i think like i did the project for like a tenth of the price i I usually charge but like i had like more fun doing that than most of the projects i've taken on on the side um working with them they're like just really really talented and just um kind of i always want to learn like logo design and push myself to like learn it i just needed like kind of like a like kind of like a test bed um and uh so i did that and then that kind of like as long as i'm I'm away from like the usual it, it helps me like kind of break free from everything and it clears my mind i think that's really really important well you've been very uh passionate about music for a while right for about a i always wanted to do it i um, saw a lot of stuff in your dribble profile that was like music driven yeah mm-hmm. so um so there's one project that um i got really interested in it's like and i'm gonna try to like execute it this year just kind of finding the right person to do it with um was this project that uh, is called audio um what i wanted to do was kind of build this app that connects with this piece of hardware that allows you to uh the the application itself is just like kind of like a hybrid between for those who know like machina uh machina sampler and ableton sampler um but in in retro in like in theory, it's just a sampler. Um, and being able to like run an audio like frequency into the actual app w- without like needing to rely on only your iPhone microphone because that would only give you like shitty quality. The purpose of it is um, usually like for me, ideas uh, like musical ideas uh, come to me like in random situations and trying to get those ideas out of my mind and into uh, and, and capture them um, to then use later 
um, in a DAW is digital a, audio workstation. Yes, is what DAW means. So like Ableton Thanks, Logic, um, what seemed like a really really important kind of tool. A lot of like the mobile apps in the audio space right now are just like kind of striving to take whatever's on the desktop and put it on your iPad or your iPhone, and and that works like really great to like an extent, like with a, a massive cubic grain of salt, because um, like it, it's pretty much like a race against your CPU and kind of like the, the specs on your device, like to really do complex, like audio processing, you need a lot of like mm-hmm. specs kind of, you can't like make like complex, like 3d renders on an iPad. Like you, you won't be able to do that. Um, and the same thing happens like with audio. So for me, like the balance of like, what is a mobile experience for like music? It's like, how do you use like, you know, this on the go kind of like experience, to like kind of capture things that you can then use later on at your workstation. Um, so the flow would be like being able to connect even like a guitar to your iPhone with having like a, an, an XLR um, quarter inch combo jack converter to lightning bolt, which is like, is it? Britain's got the fattest. <laughs> He's like, yes, on his face nerdy right shit. Uh, so something like that. And then you'd be able to like run Cables even my, like, the <laughs> microphones, like pretty much for, okay. So like to, in layman's terms, being able to have some piece of hardware that allows you to connect anything from like a guitar to a microphone um, to your iPhone and use our application to sample the audio. Um, and then you'd be able to like use a sampler to like chop it up into different segments and then export those as like WAV files directly to Dropbox, which can be like, so that means like it'll be available for you, you to use the second you get to like your DAW, right? It's just That's like cool. kind, of like, kind of seamless, right? Um, and having some other features of just like being able to like record to like a specific like BPM count or whatever it is. And um that just all like works really well. So if you have like an idea for a couple like lyrics, you can sing it um, to metronome and then just like use all of it later. It's like kind of building up assets that you can use later on the go. So I thought, I thought, uh, I thought that was like a fun idea and I, I've kind of started exploring with it. But the second we got into like the hardware side of it, I was like, fuck. <laughs> well, line six makes something like that. Who? That's kind of an aside, but line six. Yeah. Yeah. They make something similar uh, to what you're describing. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting when I first reached out to you to have you on. I said, "Do you want to do an app EP?" <laughs> and he goes, "Yes, like just yes." I was like, "Hell yes!" And I'm like, "Okay, so we usually record at like 7 p.m. Like, uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, I thought you meant something else." You like show up with your guitar. And stuff. Like, oh, I was like, yes. <laughs> he was like, like, "No like, question, yes, I want to do it." <laughs> bring in my like Moog. I'm like, bring preamps. I'm like, well, bring all this shit. Like, I don't really have portable cases. Uh, <laughs> like, we do it in my place. He he had to think about the podcast <laughs> thing, but he was like, "Yes, I'll do the I'll do the song." So <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant a song. I was like, "Oh, you want to do like an episode?" Sure. Let's, let's you could write us an intro. What? You could do it. Make an intro for this. You gotta episode. be Hoodie Allen, though. Yeah, I'll try. Okay, we try. We're game. I'm not the I'm not the best. I'm just still learning, but I'll you have try uh, you have four days. Um, <laughs> oh, clock's ticking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, for this specific show, yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. Um. Hmm, okay. I'll get back to you. All right, let's just do it on the fly. Just record right now. Oh, beatbox? No. Just like break it down. That'd be amazing, actually. But on that uh, musical note, <laughs> we're out of time. Can no one laugh at that, nice. please? <laughs> well, not nice. I'll miss you guys. But <laughs> Nice. It's been great chatting with you ready to get out of here. Yeah. No, thanks for coming on. No, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Anything you want to plug before you jump off? want to give a shout out to my boy no, no I got it. <laughs> my mama we, we had someone thank their parents today. mama i love you god <laughs> it's like pretend like i'm on the hospice right now like guys i'm really shedding a tear hey, look at me god oh. 
been a, it's been a long journey here. <laughs> uh, it's been fun. You're though. at underscore Mr. Didi. Yes, I am. Mr. Didi on Instagram. On Instagram too. On uh, uh, Mr. Didi without the underscore and dribble. D I D I. D I D I. Yeah. Don't go to Mr. Didi dot com. It doesn't work. No, no, it's a it's a broken Heroku app. Actually, no, actually Squarespace. Squarespace. Yeah, I set that up like two years ago and then just left it. Rough. Terrible me. Yeah, I got to get back into that. Mm-hmm. 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 Busy guys, busy. On your Dribble account? Yeah. Your website link is to your Dribble account. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I, I actually clicked it too. I was like, wait, what the? Why did I do that? So that's kind of intentional. <laughs> <laughs> this that was, is I was like, like, wait, people. what just happened? <laughs> I, like, I can read the link. It's right there in front of me, but I'm just like, what? <laughs> I, I, wonder how, I wonder how many emails uh, Dribble got. Like, oh, you're. you're your site's crashing. We're just like, it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, Appreciate for sure. It. That was episode 30. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, tweet at us. We're at Design Details FM on Twitter. And, and if you didn't, as usual, tweet at Brian. Or you can Tell tweet him. at me, bug me, make complaints, him. ask for new things. Uh, if you are enjoying the show, we would really, really, really love your support for the Net Awards. We were nominated for the podcast of the year. If you want to vote for us, voting is open now. Just go to designdetails.fm and we have a banner there along the top. We've got like 45 days left, something like that. Yeah, there's time, but the sooner the better, I'd say. Um, So go to designdetails.fm and vote for us in the Net Awards for podcast of the year. We would really appreciate your support. Of course, thank you so much to iconfinder.com for making this episode of Design Details possible. Iconfinder is the best place to get icons for any design project you're working on. They are so good. It's such an amazing service. You can search for any icon you need. They're going to come back with tons of results in all different styles and formats. The icons are super inexpensive. A lot of them are free, but they have an amazing service called Icon Finder Pro. It's just a few bucks a month. And if you sign up today, use the promo code ROBOT to get 50% off your first month. That tells them that we sent you and that you're supporting the show. So check them out. Iconfinder.com. Thanks so much for supporting Design Details. We'll see you guys on Wednesday with Sam Sofis and Caleb Davenport.